Hallelujah. Hallelujah. On the first day of the week at early dawn, the women came to the tomb taking the spices that they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they went in, they did not find the body. Hallelujah. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men in dazzling clothes stood beside them. The women were terrified and bowed their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Alleluia. Remember how he told you, while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be handed over to sinners and be crucified, and on the third day rise again. Then they remembered his words. Alleluia. And returning from the tomb, they told all this to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told this to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter got up, hallelujah, and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves. Then he went home, amazed at what had happened. Hallelujah. This is the gospel of the Lord. Be Please be seated. <clears throat> Grace to all of you and peace from God, our creator, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Great and glorious God, we give you praise and thanks for this most holy day, this day of celebration, this day of open tomb, this day when the darkness turns to light. May that light shine on every person here, O Lord, that whatever darkness that might surround them, they might find their way forward into the light of a new day, a resurrected day. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. There is a song we sing during Holy Week, which is quite simple. It's made up of a series of questions. It's a song as you allow the melody to float over you, it touches you at the deepest level. The first verse starts like this. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? It goes on, and each verse is a new question, asking us if we were there. The final verse is inspiring because it speaks of the resurrection, of the tomb being open. Please listen to it now. Were you there when he rose up from the dead? Were you there when he rose up from the dead? Sometimes I feel like shouting glory, glory, glory. Were you there when he rose up from the dead? 
music like that sung by someone like Eric surrounds us and touches us deeply so that we are at the point of saying internally, Alleluia. The song is so beautiful, in fact, that we often neglect to even consider answering the questions that are in the song. The song is a series of questions. Were you there when they crucified him? Were you there when the tomb opened? And if we think about those questions, on one level we would say, well, no, we weren't there. The women were there at the tomb, but we weren't. That's a long time ago. But then we hear the song again, and we hear the questions again. Were we there? And suddenly it becomes a little murkier. Maybe there's some symbolism here. Maybe there's something deeply spiritual going on. And pretty soon we're able to say, yeah, I was there. I am there. When Christ's vision of a just, compassionate, and equitable world gives way to violence and bigotry, hatred, and fear as in Sri Lanka today. And it feels like a crucifixion of all that can be good. Were we there? Were you there? When your dreams were shattered, were crucified by some great misfortune or pain in your life? We were all there with the women at the tomb and the disciples in grief when we have lost or nearly lost our loved ones to death. We've been there. This is our story. Jesus is living our story. The Holy Week rituals that we go through are not just about Jesus. They're about us. For in these rituals we go down into the depths of despair and then come up into the heights of hope. We descend into pain and then we turn it into joy. Our human experience includes death and life. That song, Were You There?, in some ways collapses the past into the present and the present into the past. The Jewish people have always known this. They've understood this collapsing of the past and the present, especially when they celebrate what's called the Seder Supper. It's a celebration of the Passover when the Hebrew people who were slaves in Egypt finally were free. And every year after that in the springtime, Jewish people will celebrate that freedom from slavery. They do so usually in home. And you gather friends, and you sit at table, and someone will preside. And the presider will have a litany to read. And these are the words that start that litany. It says, We once were slaves in Egypt. At my first Seder, I was listening to those words. We once were slaves in Egypt. And I thought, well, no. This is like 3,000 years later. And the liturgy goes on and the Jewish people just assumed that they were back there and that the people back there were here in some mysterious way. At the end of the Seder, I talked to the rabbi and I said to her, well, we really weren't there. We really weren't slaves in Egypt. That's 3,000 years ago. 
And she looked at me and said, young man. <laughs> this was like decades ago. <laughs> young man. And then she had a pause. She knew how to kind of get, get someone's attention. Young man, we are slaves to sin, to our fear, to our insecurities, to our apathy, to social injustice, to anger, to grief. I interrupted her and I said, I think I understand. What you were celebrating in that Seder meal when you say we were back in Egypt, when we were slaves. You celebrate their freedom from slavery, but you're also celebrating our freedom in the modern sense. To whatever slavery might keep us shackled, you celebrate that we are free. She said, exactly. And she pointed her finger at me, exactly. And then she said something that changed my Christianity and changed my Holy Week forever. She said, is that not what you Christians think about Easter? And I said, well, no. <laughs> you know, for me, Easter was always something that happened a long time ago. Jesus suffered, crucified, died, placed in the tomb, a boulder rolled in front, and he is gone. And then the boulder comes back, and he is alive. And we celebrate that year after year after year. And she looked at me and said, are, that, are there not other ways that people can be dead inside? She had taught me that there's different kinds of slavery. Now she was teaching me that there's different kinds of death. And it started opening me up to an understanding of Holy Week and Easter as being bigger than just something in the past as being something that is around us all the time in this strange way. You see, the Hebrew people, the Jewish people, use this imagery of slavery to freedom as a spiritual symbol. Christians use the imagery of death to life as almost the same kind of spiritual symbol. Easter is about Jesus Christ alive, the tomb being open, but it's also about our tomb being opened and we being set free. See, as the rabbi said, there are many kinds of small deaths that we experience through our lifetimes. What has been yours? What is it that has kept you from being fully alive and living to the destiny God has in store for you? What is the boulder that sits in front of your tomb that seems like it will never move? We all have something. And it's all unique to each one of us here.
And it seems impossible that that boulder can ever move. And then we celebrate Easter, where Jesus was dead, and then he was alive. Now let me tell you, if that is possible, then all things are possible, including the boulder in your life being rolled away. You see, that's the most optimistic look at the human experiment that you can imagine. That in the midst of something that's absolutely impossible, in the midst of the rubble of our life, in the midst of the deepest, darkest midnight of your life, there is, and we look for, a candle leading us forward. That's Easter optimism, and that is the defining characteristic of Christianity itself. If I were to ask you, what is the defining character, nature of Christianity, we might say something like, well, it's a set of doctrines about God that you're asked to believe in. I say to you, it is so much more than that. It is not simply a set of doctrines that you give intellectual assent to. You might say that Christianity is a belief system. It is much more than a belief system. It is profound optimism about our human experience. That when we are surrounded by utter decay of a cancer or a death of a loved one or a diagnosis or a financial ruin, we will cling to hope and truth and a positive future. An impossibly positive future. That's the miracle of Easter. That's why it's past tense and present tense. There is a perfect example of this Easter optimism that has come out of Notre Dame Cathedral. You all know that Notre Dame burned this week. At least a major portion of it burned. The day after the fire, a photographer came into the cathedral on the inside. And he took a picture that I think will become an iconic picture symbolizing this kind of Easter optimism. The picture showed how the roof had collapsed and the old wood was all charred, black ashes everywhere over the pews, on the floor. There were stains on the pillars that rose up. There was still even some smoke that was kind of milling around. It was dark. And because the roof was gone, sunlight was coming right down into the church. Hallelujah. And it shined immediately on the altar and on a gold cross that was on the altar. And that gold cross reflected that sunlight into the darkness of that cavern, into the chaos of that cavern. And people will say, and have said, it was a miracle that God spared the altar and the cross. No. That was not a miracle. That was a coincidence. I want you to understand this. We tend to look for events like that as evidence of God's miraculous interventions. Those aren't the miracles. That's not the miracle. The miracle is, in the midst of that rubble, we look for a sign of hope. Deep in our human psyche is this miraculous desire 
to move to the holy and the good. That's the miracle. That's Easter optimism. That altar could have been totally destroyed. That cross could have been melted down. And some Easter optimist would sift through the ruins and maybe find deep down in the ashes some little piece of yellow stained glass, hold it up to the sunshine and say, yes, we will rebuild. Yes, life is good. Surrounded by catastrophe, life is still good and holy and beautiful. That's Easter. That's the divining, defining character of someone who follows Jesus Christ. Not a set of doctrines. And that's why we're here. And that's why we can answer the question, were you there? Yeah, yeah, we're there. We're there right now. Sometimes surrounded by chaos and destruction and fear and anxiety. And at Easter, we cling to hope. Let me close with a poem that speaks of this Easter optimism when we are surrounded by the chaos. It's a poem written by a man who um, has only a right brain. You know what I'm saying? Right brain is your creative side. Left brain is your analytical side. I'm all left brain, all analytical. In fact, I sometimes lean in that direction. It's kind of like heavy. <laughs> this guy, he's all right brain. He's pure creativity. And yet he's able to break through to my side of the brain and speak to me in poetic ways that I can't analyze. I can only feel. And this is his little ditty. Once there was a man who tried to understand the resurrection. Once, when a truck was pouring a sidewalk, he planted a seed in the wet cement at night. When the foundation was laid and the building was finished, he went to work there. It was dedicated in the spring when the apple blossoms were out. He looks at the sidewalk every morning. This Easter, I pray for you to look for and to notice the flowers growing out of the hard concrete of your life. This Easter, I pray for you that you will sift through whatever rubble of fear or anxiety is in your life and find some small shard of yellow stained glass and hold it up to the sun and say, yes, Jesus is alive and so am I. This Easter, I pray for you to understand that the boulder that has kept you in is rolled away as surely as the boulder was rolled away from Jesus' tomb. You are as free and as alive as Jesus Christ. Hallelujah.